Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. This morning's text is from Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. The word of the Lord. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas, and he said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, Having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came to him saying, Lord, your mina has has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him, and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. We're going to step into uh, the passage that Chris read for us this morning. And uh, normally this is the moment in the service where I ask you to have a conversation with the neighbor. Today I'm going to try something a little bit differently. I'm I'm going to, we'll call it risky. Uh, I'm going to try to play cards in church, so don't hold it against me if this is your first experience of us. This doesn't happen all the time, but I do think it has some relevance to uh, the move that Jesus makes in this parable, which, you know, we're often provocative as well. So does that sound good? You guys with me? Do you guys know the game 21? You get dealt two cards, right? You try to, you try to get close to 21 without going over, all right? So we're going we're gonna to play together but uh, I, you're going to have a conversation with your neighbor. So here's the deal. So your hand, your collective hand as a congregation, two eights. All right? You, you, got, you got something? Make sense? You have 16. That's you guys. My hand, the dealer, my, my card is a 10. All right? You don't know what my next card is. I know what it is right here. But you don't know. So you have 16. And I, did I show it to you? Yeah. All right. Let me, let me do that again. You don't know what my card is, right? And I'm not going to show it to you this time. So you have 16, I have 10, 
and whatever the mysterious second card is. I want you to tell your neighbor, would you hold? Would you sit on your 16? Or would you ask for another card and try to get closer to 21? You guys ready? Take like 30 seconds. Go for it. I hope you've recovered from the shock of having just played blackjack at church. But uh, please, like, stay, stay with us. Uh, because, because, right, the, the parable that uh, Chris has read for us at this moment, this sort of, again, climactic moment in Luke's gospel, the last thing he's done is Zacchaeus. The last sort of story he tells is what we've read this morning. And then we step into the events of Holy Week. Right? So, I mean, this is a climactic moment. And what, in, in Luke's narrative of the life of Jesus, what he's given us is the story of Zacchaeus and this parable that I want to suggest to you gives me the feels of, like, what you just experienced. Right? If, when I read this particular story, Matthew gives us a story with some slight nuance, very similar to his gospel, the parable of the talents. But it, uh, it just, when I read it, it feels a little like, the experience of do I take another card? Do I stay where I'm at? It, it, it feels, uh, which the stakes were not high for you this morning, but this parable feels really high stakes. Right? It feels risky. It feels like, like a, a, a gamble. And, and most notably, because of where it ends. right? The, the pronouncement of judgment in this parable. It's stark. It's abrasive. Uh, it's real, uh, you know, as Chris read the passage for us. I mean, we bump into it towards the end, the story of the servants, right? You got the two who kind of do the thing, and then the one who sort of takes a different track, and then there's a pronouncement of judgment on, on this other servant, as uh, he or she is referred to, right? This other servant. And, and what Jesus does feels unfair and uh, certainly critical. All right, I'm going to take, right, what the master does. I'm going to take... Uh, the mind that you have, right? I don't, know what, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to take it and give it to the guy who already has 10. A pronouncement of, of judgment, a critique, if you will, of, of uh, this person's practice. But then, uh, as the story concludes, right, then the master addresses the people in the story who just reject his leadership outright. Like, we don't want him to rule over us. There's some historical background. Herod had a couple of sons, and uh, you can go and explore that later. We won't spend a lot of time there, but there is like there is a story that would have been in recent, recent history for his audience, lived experience on someone sort of stepping away to sort of officially be granted power and coming back and all those kinds of things. But, but these people in this story rejecting outright, you know, the master, the leader, uh, the king in this story, and the pronouncement of death right? Which will suck the life out of any room, <laughs> right? Uh, he was like, man, I was coming to church, and then we read the passage, and it's like, oof, right? Like, it, there, there is this move here that, to me, it, it lends itself to that feeling of, I, I read parables, these two parables in particular, the talents that we find in Matthew in this moment in Luke, and it, 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 it creates the same kind of anxiety around when maybe that's not you guys you're like my poker face is solid right I'm ready but for me the the, the sort of high stakes uh, feeling it's abrasive right even in this moment in the gospel we've just come out of a party with Zacchaeus 
right? And, you know, that we, and we mentioned last week, have turned into a, a beautiful little kid's song, right? Like uh, the wee little man. And we've had this lovely moment. And uh, we come right out of that, like salvation, a party, giving to the poor, this beautiful expression of generosity and, and life being transformed. And we're right out of that into this pronouncement of, of judgment. It's, it is an abrupt and abrasive shift. But it's not new. We, we haven't sort of looked at all of it, but as recently as chapter 17 in Luke's gospel, he's told us stories and parables about sort of the end of things, where this is going, and judgment. Uh, even in the Zacchaeus story, he uses the title Son of Man. Right? The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And, and that phrase, again, you can go back and look, but, but even that title is evocative. It, it creates feelings of judgment, a history of like, oh, this is, this, is, this is a king coming to put things right. This is judgment sort of finally squaring things up in a world where we've been overrun or mistreated, right? Like, uh, so there's this hint of, of judgment already in the story, but still, as we bump into it here, Man, it's um, abrupt. It feels um, abrasive. But, but I think as we sit with the, sort of the end of the story first, it helps us hear it um, clearly if, if, we can, if we consider some context. I think some context really uh, helps us here. And thankfully, right, thankfully, this isn't always the case, Luke is really explicit with his context. He, he, uh, we can put the scripture back up there, maybe. I, I don't know if we can do that, but uh, I'll just read it to you, so don't worry about it. Uh, in Luke 11, right, or verse 11, right, where he starts the story, he's explicit. Listen for the contextual clues. Are you ready? As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Therefore, he said, he told this story. So three contextual clues that Luke gives us, just explicitly. The first one is a look back, right? Um, as they had heard these things. So you got this mix of people, they're listening. Maybe they've experienced Zacchaeus. Maybe some of the teaching that's come previously. Maybe it's the series of things that we've experienced along the road with Jesus, the blind man, Zacchaeus, the parables, right? Like stories that we've heard, right? As they've heard these things, right? So we're, 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 we're situated contextually in that story look back but then there's a look around right like uh, they were near Jerusalem right there's a marker for us contextually we are on the cusp uh, Jesus knows on the cusp of of uh, the cross like Jerusalem the the the, the place of tension where where sort of the the growing sort of pressure is going to find some resolution in confrontation in Jerusalem to look around. But then there's a slight look forward, right? A look ahead contextually. Because, right, so one, they were close to Jerusalem. Jesus knew, man, uh, they were close to sort of things unfolding. But, but then a look ahead, kind of wrapped up in that same feeling. They supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So Luke explicitly giving you and me as readers contextual clues as to how to hear the parable that follows. And I think, why does this matter? Right? Why does this matter to you and me as we read? Well, I, I'll offer one suggestion. I think because it's a, it's a move 
um, a helpful move that Luke pulls uh, over and over again, uh, and Jesus, as we've walked with him along the road, uh, pulling us, dragging us uh, into uh, our, our expectations. But what are your and my, as readers, listeners, the people around Jesus, once again, Jesus is confronting, challenging, stepping into the space of Luke and his telling of the story of Jesus, stepping into yours and my expectations around Jesus, around the kingdom of God, around what all of this might mean. He's done it over and over and over again, and he continues it here. And in this moment, we see it through this parable. He just upends them, right? Up, sorry, upends them to be more proper, right? He just like, he just upends them. He, he, he takes sort of all this expectation that's in the water and in the air around him, around the title son of man, around the things that he's done. He's been trying to teach and encourage and nudge and draw. It's like, I know these are the expectations you have brought to this table. Now it's close. We're almost there. And, and you think it's going to look one way and, and you think it's going to come right away. And, and, and in this parable, Jesus sort of, let, let's, let me just sort of upend all of that for you again, right? A king, right? The, the king that you thought, that's the, the, the master you were expecting wrapped up in this title, son of man, not who you thought he'd be. Certainly not what you're about to experience in Jerusalem in any way tied to a king sort of establishing reign and overthrowing oppressors and bringing the kind of justice you thought. A kingdom, Right? The kingdom that this king has come to establish, also, also not what you had in mind. Right? Also not, not probably quite what you were expecting, as Jesus has tried to do over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in Luke's gospel. Let, let, me, let me broaden your experience, your expectations around uh, who the kingdom of God is for and what it is like. Both of these expectations swirling in the air. Jesus tells this story, right? He tells this parable to people with all kinds of expectations that, he, that Jesus knows are misguided and misplaced. And in this parable, in a sense, it's kind of asking us, when you experience what you're about to experience in Jerusalem, right? It's not going to match any of the things you're expecting to come. Can you, will you sort of accept it, believe it, right? Can you hold on to a king that will look like me? And, and then, not just can you believe it, but once you, you believe it, if you're able to sort of open your life to, to a king like me, will you be able to participate in the kingdom that I will establish? Right? Not just can you believe in a king like me, but in the kind of world I've come to establish, can you participate in it, even when it seems distant and removed, maybe still on the horizon, not what you thought or I thought it would look like. I, I think this context helps us to hear the judgment in this parable. Jesus is judging those expectations in them and in us. I, I wonder in the context of the story of Zacchaeus, right? We saw in that story, as we've seen over and over again, the struggle to understand what Jesus is like who he's for, what his kingdom is for, who, who the people of God are and who can be included in, right? Like, that all of those feelings are repeated failure to kind of understand all of that in the context of 
this parable, we hear a bit of judgment against that struggle in us, our expectations. Even what we make of the trip to Jerusalem, right? The expectation is victory, swift, immediate, right? Right, not, not the one at the sort of head of this movement willfully giving up his life, dying shamefully the death of a criminal, right? No, nothing about this story adds up. So Jesus tells this parable, when you experience what you're about to experience, what you're on the cusp of here as we enter Jerusalem, right? Where, where will you be in that story? Can you believe that I am a king and that I have established God's kingdom? Uh, I think it's helpful to sort of, to hear it in that context, I, I think helps us to hear a bit of the good news in this parable. So I, I, again, we're, we're not going to say everything there is to say about it. We'll, we'll leave a lot of observations on the table, uh, but I just want to make a, a couple of observations, maybe ask you to consider, if, if you will, just to consider the parable in this way with me. I, I think, I don't, I don't know, right? You guys remember the talents, right? He gives 10 and 5 and 1. And, you know, there's some nuances there, but the same move. The master returns. What have you done with what I've given you? I this may, maybe just says more about me than anything else. But I read these two parables in particular. I find them terrifying, right? Like I, I find them deeply, at the risk of too much vulnerability, troubling, right? I just, uh, what I hear when I hear this parable, and I think it's often where we go, like, am I, oh, oh God, am I earning enough interest on what you've given me, right? A am, I, am I doing enough? Oh, God, is Park City, like, are we doing enough with what you've given us? Am, am I in my family, in my home, in my neighborhood, right? I'm like, oh, am I a 10-talent, 5-talent guy? I don't know. Oh, God, right? Like, what, what, what am I? What, what's the return on investment that you're looking for in my life? Like, that's, that's the approach I, I often uh, receive. That's the, the, the milieu, if you will, in which I receive this parable, but... I wonder this morning if in upending all the expectations that have been building around who Jesus is and what he's like and what his kingdom is like, if there isn't another move happening here, uh, a, a, a more um, gospel, I suppose, like uh, reception to this, a bit of good news in this story. And I think one of those details is in Luke's telling. It's interesting to me that Luke's uh, telling of this story tells that, that, that all, the, all the servants get the same amount right? They all get the same amount. But the return is different, and it doesn't really matter, right? Like, the, the reward to each of them is extravagantly larger than whatever they were given to begin with. Uh, so in this case, it gives each servant one. They get different results. It doesn't matter. What matters in this parable is that they participated, right? That, that the result, the return, wasn't really the responsibility in the parable of, of the servant. The, the, the focal point of the, the, the pressure in this parable is did they participate, step into uh, the life of the business of the master? Results, again, vary. But that's kind of not the point. I hear echoes. I think it's Mark's telling of the sower, right, as he's throwing seed. Mark says that even when the seed that fell on good ground, it yielded different results, right? Like, like there, there's a sense in which God is at work, his kingdom is at work in the world, just participate in it. The, the, the sort of pressure to determine uh, the return uh, 
uh, on the investment, for lack of better language, right, like is absent. And I feel like the way in which Luke gives us this parable, uh, it dials down uh, uh, the legitimacy of that approach to this story for me. What Luke seems to be suggesting here, if I was going to summarize sort of in one sentence, I think it would be something like, right, that, that, that the servant's perception of the master um, shapes uh, his participation, right? That how we perceive the master, then, like, if we were going to try to make it more universal, a principle here, it, it's this move that, like, uh, the, what Jesus seems to be hinting at is that the perception of the master, how you perceive him, you either reject him outright or he's a hard man, all these kinds of things, will shape how you participate in his kingdom. So it's interesting as we sit with the story, right? The context of Jesus' life on the road. He's given parable after parable. Parables like the lost sheep, the prodigal son, unjust stewards, tax collectors and Pharisees. Who goes home justified? Well, the Pharisee, of course. Well, actually, Jesus says, right? In the context of all of these sort of building parables, his miracles, right? He, he's welcoming lepers. Interestingly, he, 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 he works in the life of 10, even though like, even Jesus' return on investment wasn't that great in the story, right? Only one came back, but, but Jesus just like, it's the kingdom of God here, right? And then his table mates, I mean, the people he's eating and hanging out with, like Zacchaeus, all of these seem extravagantly, oh, I don't know, risky, open-handed in a way that is uncomfortable. I, I wonder if heard in this way, right, the parable now, start, the call of this parable feels a little bit different. Will we sort of settle for a kind of prudent fear? Our perception of what the master is like will kind of paralyze us and leave us just kind of like, I got this good thing, I'm white knuckle, going to hang on to it, or a kind of irrational faith that says, oh no, this is, this is what the master is like, it's what he's been like in my life, and so now it, it changes the way I, I sort of step into the world around me. I'm, I'm open to kind of participating because the result doesn't rest with me. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's about to really jump the shark, or jump the shark, I guess, I think, the Fonz is... The reason for that, right? You remember the happy days? Uh, it's like three-quarters of the room doesn't know what that is, right? Uh, right? There's this scene where they say, like, where the phrase come from? Where, like, uh, the fonts. Anyone? Eh, no? You guys are just like, oh, Pastor Matt has jumped the shark, right? Right? There's a scene where the, the show goes off the rails, and, like, the, the fonts is, like, skiing, and he literally jumps over a shark. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And like, that's what's about to happen. Thank you. Uh, that's, what I, that's what's about to happen in Jerusalem. I mean, for everyone following him, all of their expectations, it's, it's about to jump the shark in Jerusalem. Jesus is going to lay down his life as a criminal, shamefully, and, and, and willfully. He's just going to give up. All, all the expectations swirling around. He, like, this is the kind of king you have. He will be crucified and made an example of as a criminal. What then? What of the kingdom of God then? And it's king. You hear the parable then like, well, what? Jesus almost asking the question, will, can you hang on? Will, will you be faithful? I mean, we know the answer to this. No one in the story is. Even the disciples are like, what's going on? And they're all running around, right? But yet Jesus still proceeds. And in this parable, we hear the invitation. Man, can we receive a master like that? And can we follow him? 
right? In light, of, in light of a master like that who will give so generously of his life, it doesn't make a lot of sense to live stingily with the grace that he has worked in us, right? To sort of take grace that God has given to us and put it in a napkin, a handkerchief, and just be like, white-knuckled, I finally got it. Jesus says that doesn't line up with a king who is going to just spend his life on a world regardless of their response, as he's done over and over and over again in the gospel of Luke. I don't know. I think it's an interesting move that Jesus makes in this parable. What will you perceive of me? And how will that change the way you live? I I, want to offer us maybe a foothold, a handle in conclusion, and then uh, we'll sing and take communion together and be dismissed with the benediction. You guys are like, wow, that's a lot. I'll be quick. Uh, so to kind of help us, here's what, I, here's what I think. Sometimes I read this parable, the, the approach I mentioned, so again, the sort of my uh, often unhealthy approach, it, it's like uh, I, I wonder if our perception of the master is, is a little too Mary Poppins, right? I, I don't mean the like with the umbrella. I mean Mr. Banks. You guys remember Mr. Banks? The, the, isn't that his name? The dad? right? And you remember who he works for, right? Remember the song, like the kids have some tuppence and they just want to spend it on birds, right? They got no value. They got no like uh, the the ladies outside selling the bird seed. Like there's no like, they just want to spend it. Like just, just spend it. And you remember Mr. Banks and Dick Van Dyke, right? Man, all the cultural references. I know I got to get, I got to step up and get a little more present day, but uh, you remember they're, they're in the bank and the children are there. And uh, they, 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 you know, they're just greedily looking at the talent in the hands of the children, at the, the, the mina, right, the, the tuppence there. You see, Michael, you guys remember, this, remember the song? You guys know where I'm going with this? Anyone? I'm trying, right? You see, Michael, tuppence, patiently, cautiously, trustingly invested in the, to be specific, in the Dawes, Tomes, Mousley, Grubs. Anybody know what comes next? Fidelity, fiduciary, bank. There we go, right? It's worth a listen. Great fun, right? But it's this whole, like, move in the story, right? That, that, that the approach you should take with the tuppence in your life is to be prudent and calculated and cautious, right? And I think I hear the parable of the talents, and, and, and when my perception of the master uh, is more like Mary Poppins and Mr. Banks, well, yeah. I mean, give me a nap. I can't find a handkerchief fast enough. I'm going to put this thing in my pocket before I lose it because goodness knows, right? But, but I wonder if, right, I wonder if what's happening in this parable isn't, if you'll allow me, a little more like blackjack, <laughs> right? Like, I know it's abrasive, but, uh, right, it, I, I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if the point of this story isn't Jesus saying, guys, 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 you're all playing with house money. It's the grace of God to a world broken most of which won't even acknowledge me as king. Quit hanging on to the stuff. Just live open and generous with the king. Like, as you've seen me do repeatedly, Jesus says, like, you are playing with house money. Let's take some risks. Right? Leave the return with me. You just participate. Right, participate. That's that's the invitation, the call. Uh, one author I found helpful, sort of again writing descriptively, maybe taking some literary license, but picks up this imagery. Right, that the judgment in this story is against the servant who who acts not out of faith but out of prudence. 
prudence because of how he understands the master's nature. And he writes, I think the same choice is on the table for you and me. We can live with the notion that God is angry. Mr. Banks, right? Or we can live with a picture of him as we've seen in the Gospels. And live generously and open and leave the, leave the result of the seed with the farmer. Right? Uh, it goes on that the gift of grace, uh, the writer, the gift of grace, uh, again, then is not, it's not a reward for like good behavior. It is, it is, it is hilariously inequitable largesse. It's just a gift. This is what God's kingdom has been and is to you and me. And we can either hear Mr. Banks in our ear, be prudent, be cautious, be guarded. Or we can hear Jesus saying, participate in the kingdom. Just participate. Right? If you're going to follow a king like me who's about to do the kind of thing I'm going to do for people like you, right, even, and me, right, that, that's, that's a different way. The author, again, he says, you know, it's like speaking of the servant, again, creatively. The master to the servant, you crawl in here and insult me. Mr. Risk himself by telling me you decided that I couldn't be trusted enough for you to, to just spend your life. I, I find Eugene Peterson's sort of paraphrase of this story helpful. Then he said to those standing there, the master, take the money from him give it to the servant who doubled my stake. They said, but master, he already has double. This is not fair. And the master says, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Risk your life and you get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you end up holding the bag. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, Visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.